by popular demand. Place to be Nation Wrestling returns to the Dirty South for Talkin' WCW, an episodic wrestler showcase designed to educate, evaluate, and entertain, with matches spanning the intimate stage of Techwood Studios to the heights of Space Mountain. Talkin' WCW presents the best, worst, and most surreal offerings from World Championship Wrestling. So cast your gaze to the Turnertron with hosts Jennifer Smith, Tim Capel, and Greg Phillips. talk in WCW. My name is Jennifer Smith. I am here with my co-host, the boomer to my sooner, Tim Capel. How are you doing, Tim? Oh, hey, Jenny. Didn't realize there was a boomer sooner edition of WC, talk in WCW here. Well, JR oh, hey. likes to pop up. so I'll take it. JR, JR does like to pop up. I wonder if, uh, do, do we have JR with us in our third seat tonight? Sometimes <laughs> yeah, he... yeah. This reminds me of that. This reminds me of some of that sassafras bullshit. Oh, <laughs> you're right, JR. You're right. Not something I would ever say, but <laughs> something that Conrad and Brucey like to do because they like to stir the shit. They like to get the dirt. <laughs> I think JR That's said what we like to do. tonight. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting on Twitter, doing yeah. things he ain't supposed to do or Click X, whatever the fuck it is now. Click this, drag that. <laughs> WWW. JR's horny on Maine again. <laughs> I thought, yeah. Let me live my fucking life. <laughs> Woo, you hot tonight. Uh, well, which is good because it's going to be an angry ass episode. Because uh, we are talking about one insane, angry man, Sid Vicious. Yeah. Yeah. Sid Vicious. Um Great name. Sometimes known as uh, Sid Justice. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes known Psycho. As Psycho Sid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The big, the but, bad, um, the vicious Sid. Right. Our Michaels once introduced him. Yeah. Which name do y'all like the best? I like Sid Vicious. I like Sid Vicious. I mean, I realize it's a bit of a ripoff, but yeah. so yeah. what? It's, I like Sid Vicious. Him. Certainly better than Sid Justice. I didn't mind Psycho Sid, though. I think That's Sid pretty was, cool. Sid was a powerful enough name on its own. Sure, yeah. Uh, but especially when he had the big, you know, the the pyro that would go off that would spell off the yeah. name. Psycho, in the that was cool. That's right, <laughs> psycho. Yeah. But no, he's uh, yeah. I, I like. I'm a Sid Vicious guy too. That's just that's how I was introduced to him, and so that's how I. I always thought Sid Justice was kind of a corny name. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, it is a little bit. Um. So I this was my pick and. I really just the only things I really have known about Sid is just crazy promos, um, not very good in ring, and mm. 
for some reason Goldberg likes to crush up his car. So, <laughs> that, that was um, where I was yeah. at with Sid. Yeah, that was a that well, kind of recurring theme. Covered, yeah. You covered the reasons that we like Sid because right. Sid's not a Sid's not a tactician. Sid's not mm. technically sound. Sid's not going to be confused with a, a Funk and Briscoe or you know a Flair and Steamboat. But 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 what Sid had was his Sidness. Of course, no one is more mm. Sid in the history of wrestling than Sid. <laughs> and 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 he was himself, and there was only one and. Yes, he did have unfortunate luck with rental cars, uh, but, you know, that's perhaps should be taken up with the authorities since Goldberg, to my knowledge, Tim, was never arrested for any of these crimes. Uh, yeah, I think he walked away on, on both counts uh, of uh, rental car destruction. Um, Ridiculous. Have to be, uh, I, I hope Sid got the insurance on the rental cars, but you never I know sure if he's wrestling. So. If not, that would be a real dick move for the supposedly heroic <laughs> Goldberg. <laughs> right, right. For those that don't know what we're talking about, Goldberg was uh, angry at Sid, and so his way of getting revenge was to uh, – first week, he had his car towed. The second week, he had <laughs> he had his car flattened. And the third week, somehow, he had the car turned into a cube. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this did not go over well with Sid. Why me? Like the escalation. <laughs> My favorite was his realization in the one where he's getting, he's, yes. hey there, Maurice, where's my car? Lot 22. Lot 20. Lot 22. Lot 22. Oh, man. Oh, man. No. He was so goofy. I mean, he's so huge, right? And, and scary he, looking. And he just like runs over there like, like a cartoon. Yeah, and he, like he jumps cartoon. on the cube and he's doing the Yosemite <laughs> thing. Up on the- <laughs> Goldberg. And this was oh. this was like how they by the way, this was like how they built their intense blood feud. Um <laughs> yes. to a match that Great. a match we're gonna actually be talking about. So. Absolutely. He, uh, they're feuding yeah. and, and, and he's telling Goldberg he's gonna lose his opportunity. <laughs> and uh and, and he's <laughs> he's shouting and he's spinning and it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I don't know why, like it- I don't typically like to watch people spit when they speak, uh, but there's something about Sid. <laughs> I really don't mind it. Uh, all right. Well, he does the to... quiet, loud thing really good. Where yeah. He, oh, yeah. Like that restrained that, anger. Mm-hmm, the, the manic over the top, yeah. like the master and ruler of the world type shit where yeah. it's like very prototypical wrestler. And oh, then yeah. he all of a sudden he, he twists it on you. He, he he does that like barely speaking through gritted teeth, like yes. for yes, for like, most style. When I get like you Macho in Man. the ring, Hulk Hogan, I'm gonna shoot you. And I <laughs> exactly. And the rulers of the world keeps it compelling. He does, yeah. yeah. He, one of my favorite promos of his was WrestleMania Eight when he calls Mean Gene a stupid fat little oaf. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I never. <laughs> William Bad Wordsworth couldn't have said it better. <laughs> All right, this Incredible is gonna be human fun. Being. So we're, yeah. we're gonna start yeah. it out with a bang. Um, <laughs> what do we got the first match? We're Tim? we're gonna we're gonna start out with some engines revving, I believe. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. Um, WCW tradition right here. 
And that, of course, is Road Wild 1999. Some would say um, the worst WCW pay-per-view ever. I, I wouldn't say that. Who would no, say that? Never. I saw this pay-per-view for free. I think I've told this story. Uh, <laughs> going on vacation uh, at the Outer Banks, where we I spent many a childhood, uh, summer vacation growing up, and... For whatever reason, the, the place we rented, it was uh, just, you know, a beach. It wasn't on the beach, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, a modest little house for a week. And they, I guess, had pay-per-view capabilities. And for whatever reason, it was, like, already ordered. We didn't order it, but it was, like, Weird. if you went to, you know, when you would, this is back in the days of Scramble Vision, when you would mm-hmm. go to the pay-per-view channel and at least get the audio, well, got the video as well. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, got to got to watch this live like the first day. It was like a Sunday to Sunday sort of stay. So, got to watch it the first night we got in. Um, what a treat, right? Uh, so <laughs> that did cut out at some point like midweek. Uh, but I also remember watching Jenny, uh, the faculty on that paper. Oh, uh, I channel. love that movie. Good movie. Yeah. About All it. right. Um, so this was my pick. I I love this show because I love all the shows, all the Road Wilds from Sturgis because mm. it's insane and it's outdoors wrestling, which I have like a huge salsa pot for. Yeah. And it's yeah. a bunch. It's like a beach setting, but like more wild because these people are they're hardcore. Like oh, they're bikers and they are just there to have fun, right? So they're mm-hmm. just they don't they don't give two shits about the wrestling. So um, they get handsy with the wrestlers. They're all kinds of uncouth, okay? And I love right. it. Some would say a little bit racist, perhaps, but uh. uh well, yes, I don't love that part. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. <laughs> Some might say. <laughs> all right. So we got so we, a video package to start it yeah. out. And so that just kind of talks about uh, Sting. This is versus Sting. I don't know if I said that. Uh, yes, yeah, this is Sid versus Sting. Yep. Yeah, uh, a lot of um, a lot of people recommended this match to me. So we got Sid calling himself Millennial Man because obviously mm-hmm. we're going to be going into the year 2000. I don't know how do y'all feel about that little uh, tacked on phrase. I mean. I re- refresh me, uh, uh, Tim. Was he doing that before mm-hmm. or after Jericho was doing it? I can't remember. Uh, okay, so S- Sid came back. I mean, not long before this. I think he returned at the end of that. Um, shit, Great American Bash pay per view. Remember, he power bombs Kevin Nash. Um, comes in That's- like out of nowhere at the end of the pay per view. It was really awesome. And um, that would have been in June. This is now August. So he's only been back for two months, really, uh, or a month and some change, I guess. Um, so that's pretty cool. And, and I think he had, like, when does Jericho debut in August? Jer- Jericho had to be August, right? Early August, maybe? Yeah. So I think, so- I'm pretty sure, like, WCW's <laughs> pay-per-views were normally before um, – 
WWFs in the same month, right? So this is, I'm sure this is taking place before SummerSlam. So yeah, yeah I think he's he's probably doing that millennial before, gimmick before you know yeah, Jericho so, has has yet to debut. So yeah. re- reason I bring that up for those that may not know is that uh, Sid was calling himself the Millennium Man, as was later Chris Jericho. So you actually had a, per, a a character on each show referring to himself as the Millennium Man. Mm. So it was kind of a a, a weird thing. I, I, it, it probably wasn't necessary for somebody as well known as Sid, but it didn't bother me. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was trying at that time in uh, in pop culture. Everybody was trying to play off of the whole fact that we were about to enter a new millennium. So you know, it made it made sense. Yeah. Maybe, wasn't the best fit for the the title the moniker but um it, it didn't really bother me i don't know of anybody that called him that <laughs> like everybody's well, I, yeah, well, yeah i was surprised to hear it yeah it was just and he had been away for a long time admittedly for, you know the last time you would have seen him in in wcw at least was what 93 three yeah end of 93 so, yeah i mean not to say that people weren't obviously watching him in wwf but i mean it'd been since shit uh he left what like mid early summer 97 wwf i mean yeah still fun in the interim i think was a little ecw run that he might have had ecw yep that's a very short run but that's tip that is so so typical sid you get him for these like seven to nine month bursts and then he goes away for a year Comes back, you get another one. Goes away for a year. It, that is just the story of his his entire career, <laughs> at least in the big two. Yep. All right, so we got Sting coming out, and okay, so the Sting's in a in a black singlet, and he has the scorpions on either side going down. Rank this look. How do y'all mm. how do y'all like this? Um. Well, my my thought is, <clears throat> in my Sting pantheon of looks, I still like Surfer Sting the best mm-hmm. on the look. Uh, I would say, if you're talking about the in-ring look, not the obviously trench coat rafter Sting was pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as far as in the ring, I think this was a huge improvement on his 1998 look, personally. Um, I think yeah. he, was, he was in better shape. You can see he was in better shape. He looks good. Yeah, he, his hair was all was good and all that stuff and on point and uh, his you know he, he was he was wrestling with energy again where his originally he was trying to do the whole like brooding thing and also he was having what 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 is constantly referred to by Jr. as demons Conrad and okay. <laughs> so he, he had gotten over those by midnight nine and so he's he I think he's in good shape I I would put this probably second on my list of Sting really? looks wow okay I think. I think if we're, I think I go surfer, ninety nine sting, and then we're not going to broach the topic of TNA sting yet. But <laughs> okay, all right. We we, we had Joker, Joker sting. She had looks in TNA that I thought were pretty cool. Bound for Glory, yeah, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Um, with the um, I like the red jacket with the yeah. like the Sergeant Pepper thing going on. Like me, me that too. was pretty cool. And I like um, the one match he wrestled, which was I think was Bound for Glory 06, the one that he wrestled without the singlet top, I thought was oh, kind yeah, of yeah. Then he, he started wearing the singlet, and then it was like, you know, he didn't really have to. He was in good shape, but um, I never thought that was the best look for him, but what can you do? He rocks this one. Yeah. 
I I really like this look too. Honestly, it's it's um what you still would consider a crow sting, right, yeah. Greg? Uh, Definitely. But honestly, like compared to '98, the original crow sting that was more that was more about you know character and image and the personality, which says a lot. But in terms of yeah. like when he had to actually perform, eh, it didn't mm. work so well back then. Um, so yeah, he's much more motivated here. He notably, uh, he has, uh, proper wrestling boots that are not falling apart and taped back together. Like <laughs> when he returned earlier in the year in 99, that, that wasn't the best look, but, uh, he's gotten it together now. More importantly though, you guys, he's got a tan. He's not, mm-hmm. not all pale Which, and pasty. They could have put the title on him that night. They should have put the title on him. Look how tan he is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. One thing, the one thing that also helped his look too, and his whole presentation at that time, was the theme music, which is of course edited out on Peacock. But it was Metallica "Seek and Destroy," and it kind of, it kind of matched his increase in energy. It was almost like he was marrying the surfer sting to the crow sting, and that's honestly kind of what the character was Mm -hmm. for the rest of his career, even to this day. That makes sense. Hybrid, yeah. I'm proud of y'all for not going off on a complete tangent when I asked two Sting marks about Sting attire because that could have been a whole podcast in and of itself. Sting ass. So I have a note. I have a note. Sting ass in full effect. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I will it's always necessary. Ass. It's it's yes. a performance enhancer. It and, is. and the way that the scorpions are, it looks like hands grabbing his ass. So oh. I, I I appreciated that detail. Uh-huh. Oh. Gotta grip the sting ass, yeah. Uh, Sid, on the other hand, just looks fucking huge and burly. Oh, and, I mean, he's lean as fuck, but is he is just giant. Is it not crazy how Sid's look never changed in the course of, like, ten years? Like, the dude, mm-hmm. my, to my recollection, the guy had... Roughly the exact same physique, hair, face, everything. Everything. For years. Yep. Yeah, the length of his hair would fluctuate a bit. He had longer hair, you know, in the early 90s. But other than that, he is remarkably well-preserved, I, I would agree. Maybe that's why he had and, to go away all those times. He was, you know, doing some sort of uh, secret voodoo <laughs> to, like, extend it. Right. Well, I mean, it counts for a lot that he didn't ever do it, right? He... He never like wore his body out to the point that I mean I know he had some neck problems uh, in his WWF second WWF run I want to say but I guess he got that taken care of because you never do see his physique deteriorate at all. Oh, so that is incredibly impressive. Um, so they start uh, kind of typically they just lock up. Uh, Sting puts. Sid right up on the top rope and uh, get some kicks into his midsection. Tries a little uh, sting, little mini stinger splash uh, up there across his belly. Um, then he clotheslines Sid over the top rope uh, to a big pop. I think the crowd, at least, if you don't know shit about wrestling, you kind of know Sting. I mean, sure. does that seem accurate? Yeah, yeah they knew who okay. Sting. I, I, I think yeah. they probably knew who both these guys were. I would, I would say. Yeah, so they too. probably would know Sid too. Um, so I think that gets the crowd in like a lot more on this because I feel like they actually knew who they were as to other people in this show that did not get the good responses that these guys get. 
um, especially for that big clothesline uh, over the top. So they go on the outside, and Sting knocks Sid over the railing into the fans, which is always a fun <laughs> spot at Sturgis mm-hmm. because there's a sunburned, uh, shirtless redneck with a huge <laughs> beard. Like you get, yeah. it's amazing people watching just on the railing spots there, and they you see some heinous it. tan lines. In this oh crowd. my god, it's rough. And you know the sun had been baking them through most of this show. Um, yeah, I can't imagine the smells in this crowd with all the leather. I was gonna say, I, I was gonna bring that up earlier. I, I was like, look, I, now I understand this because I've been to a lot of independent wrestling shows, mm. so I understand something about smell. But ha, what do we think yeah. the smell was like at that in that crowd? It's intense, uh, man. It's bo and cigarettes and gasoline and yeah, weed. that's it. That I think you nailed it. <laughs> just... Maybe some Aquanet. Oh <laughs> sure, for sure. But Sting works him over the railing on one side and then takes him over to the other side to let that crowd smack on him. Because they touch him, you know, Sid's just in, fully, you know, just they're just touching him. It makes me so uncomfortable, like, yeah. when they do that. Me I too. Mean, I'm thinking this is like, I, I'm assuming their security measures were probably not very strong at this probably event. Probably not. And so, like, what, you know, if one, if one of these dudes actually did think that wrestling, somehow thought that wrestling was still real in 1999, and, and brought, like, a knife or something, what would stop him from... Yeah, from shiving him. Yeah. It was all killing me watching that. I, I, I mean, think this uh, this pretty boy referee, Johnny Boone, would uh, would get in there and stop him. <laughs> I've never seen – I don't remember ever seeing this referee before. Who yeah, that? he was he was a late late WCW edition. I, I think he was like one of those like power plant trainee washout guys maybe. So it's was like, eh, I guess you can be a referee at least. But I remember, you know, Johnny Boone. Johnny Boone. I'm watching the match as we talk about it. Yeah, here. me too. Uh, so they get back in the ring. Sid uh, drives Sting into the turnbuckle and then does a big strike to his chest and then turns that into a body slam. Crushes Sting's face all all over the rope and, you know, like kind of holds his face in his, like, I don't know what the fuck you call that, head crusher or some shit, probably mm. a dumb name like that, uh, over the rope. Uh, drops Sting across his knee. Um, Bobby says... Sid is just one big, huge man. <laughs> and he's right. Because he is. The crowd is so fun to watch in this again. And especially this lady in a yellow bikini that gets in a lot of these shots. <laughs> She's um, very tan. She's she very is tan. extremely dark. And the yellow is just fluorescent. It's on her. such a contrast. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it nearly wh- distracts me from the past. I watched a little segment earlier where they gave away a harley davidson or something yeah michael did did you guys catch the lot uh I, maybe it was that same or maybe it was another one bobby had a line that was something along the lines of uh this is such a big event and this and you know this event's growing every year they just added a new they just added a new street sign in town <laughs> he hates it there so much he hates this the show so much he is by the end of the show he is not doing well no every every one of these they made him they always made him go and he got tanked on every last one yep he stirred his pay-per-views uh, uh bless his heart yeah Sid keeps throwing Sting around, does a big lariat. Uh, Sid now sends Sting over into the railing, so repeating those spots so the crowd can get their hands on Sting a little bit. I, I like that. It, it's kind of um, 
I don't know. It's kind of a cheeky move on on the part of a wrestler who I didn't think really put much thought into a match, but maybe and, I'm and they're, giving and they're, him more credit. Than and they're less likely to shiv Sting than they are to shiv Sid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, there is that. Um, let's see. Uh, Sting comes back. Um, they Sid grabs a face lock in the middle of the ring, and then Sting comes back with some elbows to the stomach. And then he does a hilarious headbutt um, to Sid's balls where he mm-hmm. falls. One of the great balling headbutts. Yeah. That's yeah. one of my favorite sting spots ever since I was a little kid. Really? Mark out for it every time. Even today I mark out for it. That's pretty great. Um, Sid tries to go up top and gets caught and Sting body slams him off the top. And then Sid <laughs> trips Sting as he goes to bounce off the rope. So that was another great spot. Sting uh, ate shit on he, that, uh, right, he just crashed. I think he just shoot trip because <laughs> Sid was like not cooperating for whatever no, Sting was about Sid to do. Sid was in the complete wrong position. <laughs> and then Heenan, Bobby Heenan goes, that was just desperation. And Mike Tanay goes, oh, I think Sid saw Sting coming and fucked <laughs> him up with his long leg. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. and then Bobby's like, Mike, you catch everything, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Piece of shit, Mike Tanay. All right. Uh, Sting blocks a, pun- a punch and then body slams it again. Tries for the stinger splash, but then he eats knees um, in a pretty great spot. Sid goes for the Which cover. Which is probably what was supposed to happen in the first place. Probably so. Yeah. tripped him somewhat inadvertently. He uh, Sid drops Sting face first up onto the turnbuckle. Lots of hair pulling detail by Sid throughout the match. Uh, like, because mm. Sting has that nice hair in this, so yeah. it's it's a great target. And he has those fucking hands, and he just grabs his head and pulls him by his hair. Sting's hair was in full Scott Stapp mode at this time. It, it, oh, oh for sure. wow, that's yeah. that's a great comp actually. Yep. Uh, Sting fights back, but then eats a big boot um, coming off the ropes. Sid back up, gets back up on top, but then no sells the superplex that Sting is on Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I amazing. thought I was losing my mind. Was like, what, is that? what is he doing? Superplex, and I go, he just stands up. He just stands yep. up leisurely. <laughs> it looks great. And then he just goes to the corner. To, to stand for the next spot, um, which is a tired ass looking stinger splash into that corner. So they're both kind of cooked a little bit. Um, he gets two of those, goes for the third, but then gets grabbed up by the neck. Big choke slam for the win. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this match. It it's it's cheeky to me. I just kept thinking like it has this weird. I don't know. I, I don't know that I can explain what I mean by that, but. It, I, I was surprised by Sid in this match. I thought he was going to be way lazier. Like, he did all right. Like, except for yeah. that one huge no-sell, I thought he bumped around for Sting pretty good. Yeah. And I thought Sting looked great. Like, I thought they had great chemistry, and I, I really enjoyed it. And they didn't waste time with it. There wasn't a lot of, you know, wasted spots or shit. Like, I just thought it was a really fun match, and that superplex really took me out though. <laughs> it didn't say it's welcome for sure. No, it, absolutely no. not. But like, between them and the people watching, I don't know. It's fun. Uh, so I, I don't know if, if 
if Sting was dealing with an injury and didn't want to take the power bomb, or if he just didn't mm-hmm. feel like taking it that night, or if Sid didn't feel like giving it that night. But I don't recall Sid using the choke slam as an actual finishing move very often. Typically, he would choke slam somebody and then power bomb them. And mm-hmm. and so I was I was expecting when he hit the choke slam, I thought Sting was going to kick out and then he was going to power bomb him. And so it kind of caught me off guard when the match mm. was because I was like, well, that's a strange time. I just thought, I just don't, maybe it happened more than I remember, but I don't remember him, especially beating like top guys with, with the choke slam. Uh, Cause it'd be, he, you know, the power bomb was kind of his big deal. Um, so I thought that was kind of, I thought, it, you know, in a way it's kind of like, and this is partly the sting mark in me speaking that I felt like it kind of made sting look a little weak to, to, to lose on on a choke slam after uh, after all that stuff, especially given with the no selling of the superplex, which was bizarre. But uh, but I think that may have been a thing where they were pressed for time and they're trying to they're trying to get to the to the finish or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Sid, mm-hmm. but 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 instead of getting up and kind of like staggering around and getting to the corner, Sid just leisurely gets to his it's feet. So yeah, <laughs> crazy. So I mean, pretty kind of a by the numbers Sting and Sid match. They've wrestled each other before in the past. But what I what, what I think was good about this one is that they kept it short. Some of their pre, mm-hmm. some of their matches from like 1990 and 93 probably went a little too long, and uh, and and I think this one was was exactly the right length for what it was. Sid bumped around a little bit. Sting, uh, Sting was, you know, I, I've long said 1999 was, was an underrated year for Sting because uh, I thought he was in great shape. His look was awesome, and he had some good matches that year that kind of flew under the radar because WCW was such a, you know. Shit show. Yeah, it was a total shit show in 99, so uh, a lot of Sting's good work went under the radar. But, um, no, I, it's a very, it's, it's kind of like a, what I would describe as a, a by-the-numbers match, but also a good one, like a, a solid match. Like nothing they did looked terrible other than the superplex. And mm-hmm. even the trip, you know, Sting, you know, Sting took a nice little, little tumble out of that. <laughs> yeah. so it, it wasn't too bad. It, it added to the match as opposed yeah, to making I, it look like a botch. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And yeah. did I, I know people have differing opinions of it. I always liked Sid's punches, his weird, goofy wind up punches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, me they just kind of worked for wrestling i don't know why but um so i i enjoyed it i thought it was an enjoyable time and not, now this was not an enjoyable time for for wcw in general i would mm. say that it was probably about the most like it would the product would get arguably worse however i don't think it ever got any more boring than it was during this time <laughs> like if you're watching nitro at this yeah time, well not awfully boring and, I think Eric Bischoff had just gotten fired before yeah, the show, didn't he? Yeah, so it was, was really rudderless. Yeah. So you had a lot of like things like the the Hulk Hogan return that kind of went over like a fart in church where he was, <laughs> you know, Oh man. You know, he nobody wanted to see at in WCW, nobody wanted to I see. I hated that so much. Hogan. So hated that. So and, yeah, it, it, it was like yeah. what, and he's doing the same early nineties goofy stuff that he was mm. doing before he turned. And then you got uh, you had uh, Nash going back and forth between heel and babyface, and you know Sid and, and it, it, he you know Sid's doing his Sid thing, but I, I don't remember where Goldberg was during this time. But it was he's on the show. He's, it, it, it he's was shooting with Rick Steiner. Oh God! Well, there you have it. So that was that's all yeah. going on, and it was it was not good. But Sid was actually one of the standouts on the show at that time. As it went, Sid was you know he was always good for an entertaining promo, and. 
you know, him him beating Sting like this in decisive fashion. Yeah. Big deal because this was not mm-hmm. this was not a tainted win by any means. This was a this was a clear Please. and decisive win that, that that set Goldberg up or not Goldberg, set Sid up on this winning streak angle that was leading to Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this is going to lead to Sid deciding he's going to uh, actually replicate and and actually top Goldberg's streak, right? That, mm-hmm. that win streak. And that would lead to some rather um, fraudulent uh, decisions in terms of racking up his uh, his wins uh, in the, on the path to that collision with Goldberg, but by design, right? It was supposed to be, you know, where does this guy get off thinking he's the next Goldberg and he's going to He's going to do this in, in record time, uh, have a record number of wins, and in half the time that go- it took Goldberg to do it, you know, nobody's buying it. So we will we will continue to follow that thread, as a matter of fact. But, um, I, Greg, I, I think that uh, I would agree with you on that finish. I've always sort of felt it was a little bit weird that he – he gets the win, the clean win with the choke slam. Although I do like uh, the transition into it, where he yes. catches Sting in the, in By the, the face. Yeah. Yep. It's a really great. I mean, WCW is not often known for its um, excellent camera work, but I, I mm. love how you see Sting coming down for the, the splash. Mm. And yeah, that was. And, awesome. uh, yeah, Sid <laughs> just throttles him right and uh, doesn't miss a beat. Hits the choke slam. So pretty awesome sequence there. All I can figure is, is why not the power bomb? I mean, you do have a Kevin Nash match and a Kevin Nash in the main right. event. Like he's definitely gonna use a power bomb in that match. Maybe just an agenting decision mm-hmm. where they were like, "Hey, we don't want to have you know two <laughs> power bomb power bomb spots in back to back matches." Back to what's wrong with that? And it's just one of those because it's it's Nash's move, right? And uh-huh. Hogan's probably gonna like kick out of it. So why does Sid uh, get the win? What divas? Now, now this, it's wrestling. It's wrestling, Jenny. <laughs> like, now, nowadays, on. they would do it in every match on the card, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Canadian destroyers. Power bombs a, a basic move, in my opinion. Well, back then, I would kind of agree, but yeah, now it, it was sort of more protected back then, right? Um, except, except we say that, and then I remember, I remember Eddie Guerrero just killing dudes with power bombs. Yeah, end. except the cruiserweights doing them constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but I mean, I could be totally off base there, but that would sort that, of that be makes, my that guess. makes full sense because it didn't look like either guy was injured. Like it didn't look like either no. guy. No, I, I don't I think, think there's so any physical. I don't trouble. think there's any injury situations. I think they're just trying to mix up, mix up some of their their matches, their finishes, and big spots and whatnot. Uh, I just think that this, while it is a uh, paint by numbers sort of match as you said greg that is still better than often what you get on these these sturgis shows oh 100 uh, as much as i do have some some nostalgia some fondness for this one you know again seeing it for free goes goes a long way <laughs> um and this is a match i would say that unlike a lot of these outings at sturgis with other guys who are arguably more talented this match and these competitors are very cognizant of their environment. They, mm-hmm. this is a match that plays to the crowd big time. Mm-hmm. As you pointed out, Jenny, there's lots of spots where they're, you know, brawling in and around the ring ringside. You know, they go 
over the uh, the barricade to let the fans get involved a little bit, let them get their licks in, which is, again, something that's crazy to me. It's something you really don't see <laughs> today, but they're like, they're making use of this environment and this setting in a way that, that kind of benefits the match. Um, I, I think even a spot like, you know, Sting doing the, the slow fall and, and headbutting Sid in the nuts. It's, it's such a like slapstick goofy thing, but it, it's, it's crowd pleasing at the same time. So I, I think everything they do here is just very conscious of, all right, who really cares, you know, work rate, work rate, uh, star ratings, what Dave Melter is going to say. We're in Sturgis, you know, let's just keep them happy and get the hell out of here. And so, and they do, it's a, like a 10 minute match. And that, that is the secret to every Sid match is if you keep it 10 minutes and under, preferably under seven minutes, you'll probably get something decent out of him. Yeah, so would, would you agree? Would you agree, here. Would, would you agree, Tim, that this was better than their earlier WCW matches? I was going to say, I, I definitely think it's better than that 1990 Halloween Havoc. I don't think I've seen the 93 Havoc match in a while, but I don't remember that being any great shakes either. Yeah, that's the one, admittedly, that I that I have seen the least. I haven't seen that in a long, long time. But I don't think there's much to it. I remember the 90 match being not as good as this one. Um, no. for, and it has it, that infamous ending, of course. Yeah, it, Sid wasn't really ready for that spot at the time. And and, mm-hmm. and he's, he's ready here. They, they, they gave it a good go. Yeah, yep. So I can't say anything bad about this one, really. And it's, um, All right, it's good. a good... Good showcase for 1999 returning Sid Vicious. And if we have a theme of this show, it's it's going to be kind of that as we progress. Yeah. So it, our next, uh, that actually segues nicely into our next contest, which is my selection for this show. And it comes to us from Halloween Havoc just a couple months later after Road Wild. And some would say the worst WCW pay-per-view of all time. Some would say, <laughs> I, I would certainly say the most bizarre WCW pay-per-view perhaps of all time. But before we get to that, I do think that we should probably, since this is a Sid Vicious episode, we may we may never do another one. Uh, it's We should probably give people some background on Sid's okay. WCW uh tenure because this wasn't his first go-round as we've referred to with world championship wrestling uh sid comes along in 1989 uh onto the wcw scene and uh makes a stir pretty quickly as part of the skyscrapers tag team with dangerous danny spivey managed by uh the godfather teddy long and um i think they yeah i think that was their manager the whole time but regardless they were uh, they were a force to be reckoned with. They came in and would squash jobbers, and pretty quickly on, the fans of WCW at these shows picked out Sid as their guy. Like mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't really care about Spivey, but whenever Sid would be on the apron, people would be chanting for Sid. And when Sid would come in, they'd go nuts for the power bomb, for the helicopter slam, for the, you know, all these cool things he was doing. He had this physical charisma about him. And before long, WCW management took notice of Sid and moved him into a key role in the Four Horsemen in 1990. So you had Sid, Flair, Anderson, and Wyndham as the Four Horsemen. 
And he's uh, he has a nice run there, has a world title match with Sting. Uh, and then, of course, he leaves in early 91, goes to the WWF, uh, has a cup of coffee there. And then by 93... Sid Justice. As Sid Justice. By 93, at, I believe Slamboree is when he returns yep. and uh, kicks off uh, his main event WCW run where he's on his own. Well, he's aligned with Colonel Robert Parker, and he tags up with Vader to feud with Sting and Davy Boy Smith. He hires a he hires a, a mischievous uh, small Cheatham. to uh, named Cheatham to sink their boat for some reason. Oh yes, <laughs> um, he, he you know explode their boat. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Sid Sid has a uh, Sid has a a, a a strong run that summer and and. Uh, it culminates at Halloween Havoc in a match to determine the franchise of WCW against Sting. And then in the aftermath of that, an unexpected thing happens and Sid turns babyface and turns on Colonel Parker. This was to set up Sid to become the WCW world champion against Big Van Vader at Starcade. But due to a uh, an incident with Arn Anderson overseas, Sid finds himself fired from WCW. Uh-oh. It was a minor stabbing. It was just a uh, minor stabbing. Oh, is that all? Scissors and uh, scissors got involved. Nasty business. So Sid gets himself fired, and uh, he's not to be seen again until 1999, which brings us to this run. Now, separately from this, another bit of backstory: WCW at Halloween Havoc '99, even though it's only two months later, is a far different landscape than we had at Road Wild '99. Oh my, yeah. Uh, in the interim. And I believe I believe Bischoff maybe had not been removed yet by by Road Wild because I think it was shortly thereafter. It, it may have been right after. Yeah, because yeah, the, the reason I say that is Raven was on Road Wild. Right. Yeah, I thought of the same thing as, Bischoff as soon as I said it. Yeah. Where he said, "If you would like to get out of this company, then you stand up right now and leave." And Raven got up and left. <laughs> got up and left. And Bischoff was like, "Well, call my bluff, I guess." So, uh, so, so. Eric Bischoff gets himself removed from power at this point, um, and that leaves WCW with no leadership uh, for about a month. And then it comes out that they're bringing in the alleged architect of the Attitude Era, the head writer of Monday Night Raw, Vince Russo, and his co-writer, Ed Ferrara. So this has been announced, and they come in uh, in, I believe, early October maybe the last week of September or first week of October and begin crafting their vision of WCW. And this is their first big show, Halloween Havoc. So we've had two shifts in power since road wild. The creative direction is wildly different. Sting is a heel right now, uh, which did not work in theory. Well. And uh, uh, Hogan is a baby face. And uh, you know, that's not really relevant to what we're talking about for this episode, but perhaps another day, but uh, Sid and Goldberg have kind of been the one constant since August. They're, they're continuing this angle of the millennium man and his undefeated streak, trying to top Goldberg's undefeated streak. And that brings us to this match. It is for the United States championship Goldberg versus the reigning champion, Sid vicious, the millennium man. And um, before this match even begins in the backstage area, Goldberg jumps Sid, and bloodies him. And uh, oh, this is a great, yeah, that's yeah. a great. Segment. Yeah, it's awesome. It's Sid, probably the the spot of the show, which I otherwise hate. Yeah. So Sid <laughs> off the ground and says, "Is that all you got?" 
and uh and, and so he said uh, and, and let me tell you as as blade jobs go this was a yeah. good one from sid yeah sid comes to the ring he's already been bleeding but it's dried a little bit at least he gets to the ring first even though he's the champion Goldberg gets his big entrance, you know, the security, Doug Dillinger and whatnot, walking him to the ring. Hall and Nash, for reasons that I can't begin to remember, <laughs> Goldberg before the match. Very, they were retired, but I still interfered. They're assholes. They, they, yeah. they mildly annoy Goldberg by pounding, giving him a few well, arms. Greg, uh, Kevin Nash, again, uh, in that, that match he had at Road Wild, he, he lost to uh, Hulkamania Revival Tour Hulk Hogan. And that was a, a career, a, a title versus career match, you see. So uh, he um, had to retire, but that lasted, you know, as most wrestling retirements do, about a month. And uh, mm-hmm. so he and Scott Hall are just showing up, drinking beers in the crowd, and mainly interfering in Goldberg matches. For some reason, they have a real real grudge against Goldberg. They don't like Oh, fuck you, that's why. Yeah. And- and then uh, Goldberg, after after being attacked by Hall and Nash, recovers pretty quick because Sid jumps him outside the ring and they and they start brawling and Goldberg fights back and pretty much takes the advantage really quickly, opens up the cut again and man does he open it up again. Yeah. That Sid is 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 dropping an all time gusher here. They're brawling all around the ringside, uh, bashing each other into the guardrail. Uh, they get in the ring. Goldberg grab, you know, grabs Sid by the hair and just starts pounding on that cut, old school style. I loved it. I, oh, it was awesome. I, I, before I go any further, I just want to say, I know this is this is a very uh, maligned show in many ways and deservedly so. I thought this is the first time I've seen this match since it aired. I thought this was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was great. While it lasted, it didn't last long, but but they get in the ring but, and, and but that's go- part of it. Goldberg is tearing into that cut and, and Sid's fight. It's kind of booked weird a little bit. Yeah. They're kind of book it like Sid is the baby face. Am I wrong? Like it, yeah, no, they, he they definitely build sympathy. Yeah. He, he's fighting they from a little lot of sympathy. For him. He's coming back. He's coming from behind. They're doing all these, you know, ref, teasing the ref stoppage and, and Goldberg's really being vicious with going after that cut. And Sid keeps fighting back from underneath and pounding away. And, and uh, uh, they're hitting each other with big bombs, too. Like, they're not just, like, going through the motions here. Goldberg obviously hits hard, and Sid's giving it back to him in this one. Hits him with a beautiful big boot in the ring. Oh, yes. Versus an Irish whip, throws him in, nails him with the big boot. Um, uh, th- this is a motivated Sid. I think that's clear. He's motivated in this match. He's working hard. And, uh, uh, you know, he he's trying to take advantage on Goldberg. And uh, and Goldberg is is, uh, you know, he's selling for for Sid, but he's also, you know, he's coming back strong and 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 Sid is ultimately, I would say, on the defensive for the majority of this match. And um, but he's not giving up. He's continuing to fight back. He doesn't want to give Goldberg the satisfaction of staying down. So Bill hits him with all this stuff. He won't stay down Uh, at one point. A really cool spot. I thought Sid has him in the camel clutch. And then Goldberg slides out the back and picks him up in the electric chair drop, uh, which got a nice pop from the crowd. Um, the 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 strengths because you know Sid's a Sid's pushing over 300 pounds at this point, and uh, that's a pretty impressive mm-hmm. spot for old for old Goldberg. And um, you know they 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 go back and forth. I don't know. I didn't I didn't have my my timer going on the match here, but but it seemed pretty pretty short to the point. I I honestly thought they could have used maybe three to five more minutes. 
But uh, then again, that might have ruined it. But uh, mm. eventually Goldberg's beating on him severely and the referee has seen enough. And he's he says there's too much blood loss. Sid can barely stand up. He stops the match. Sid's I thought I thought Sid did a great job of selling here, actually. Cause yeah. He's pissed. He's pissed at the stoppage. But then he's so woozy that he falls back in the corner, which as if, if anybody has watched the UFC that happens a lot when there's stoppages due to blood loss or whatever, due to whatever. The guy will protest it, but while he's protesting, he's staggering around, meaning obviously he was he was out. So so the ref stops the match, awards the match and the belt to Goldberg. But Sid can, Sid wants to keep fighting. That's what I'm saying. He's really presented as a babyface here because mm-hmm. he wants to keep fighting. And his buddy Rick Steiner comes out to talk some sense into him to keep him from from going back at Goldberg, who was just going to beat on him some more. And uh, they keep, they tease a couple of times. The referee and and, uh, and uh, Steiner are helping Sid up the aisle, or rather a, a medical guy is helping Sid up the aisle. And he stops a few times and teases going back for the fight. And Goldberg's telling him, come on. And Sid, Sid's backing away. And then I didn't even mention my favorite part in the match. At one point, Sid has Goldberg by the head, and he looks out to the crowd, and he spits. And it's this perfect yeah. Triple H like water blast but it's blood up in the air i mean i, I it was yeah it was an incredible visual look this is not tully and magnum or anything like that i'm not saying that but for goldberg and sid this is a thousand times better than you would think it would be uh i thought it was i thought it was excellent from from both guys and sid uh, in particular sid i thought was excellent here um you know i don't know what their rematch the next month looks like but uh i can't remember <laughs> But it probably isn't as good as this. So, you know, understanding that the, there's a the, the the finish is what it is. Um, I I really really liked this match. Uh, I was glad to watch it again. I honestly had forgotten how good that uh, how much how much blood Sid got in this one. Yeah. Um. So I, I and again for those that didn't watch WCW back then, blood was not common in WCW in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Very uncommon, and so th- it was a big deal at the time. And so, anyway, I, I I thought it was a I thought it was a hell of a hell of a contest uh, between two big meaty men slapping meat. Um, I would say um, for a long time I hated this match. I still kind of hate this match. <laughs> Oh, no. But I do under but I do understand this match uh, in ways that I, I probably didn't when I was younger, because I, I guess I wanted it to be more of what you just said, Greg, which is big beefy men slapping meat, right? I I wanted it to be that um, to give an example of a match that uh, didn't even exist yet. This in my mind should have been like a Batista Undertaker match yeah we're just they're just throwing big move after big move um but that's sort of me i think being a fucking mark right (laughs) like i want to see a spear man i want to see fucking goldberg jackhammer this big bastard i want to see like mark uh yeah i want to see like a no sell of a power bomb you know like just cool shit like that but at the same time i think i realize you know that's sort of the the 15 in your 15 year old in me still still talking Mm -hmm. like having 
purchased this pay per view and been, I mean, disappointed is yeah, is not yeah. the goddamn word for it. <laughs> um, and this match being a big part of that, it's just, I think I realize you're not going to get that kind of match from a Goldberg and a Sid Vicious. You know, it's just these are not the two to. These guys are not Undertaker and Batista. Sorry, right? Like they, right, right. If anything, they they both they each need someone to carry them to a good match, and mm-hmm. it's like short of that, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to book some kind of story to hang a match on. Otherwise, it's probably gonna fall apart very quickly. And so, I, I think I understand the decision that was made. Just make it a bloodbath, right? Mm-hmm. So that no one has to really do much in terms of like actual professional wrestling, Mm. but uh, they can sure go out there and have a fight and make that very believable. And so that's what it is. Um, So I, I would have liked to have seen, you know, more of a, more of a Hoss style match uh, because that's what sort of this was set up as I think in the, in the angle leading up to the match, they did. Uh, I mean, they did the very sports entertainment. They're uh, feuding by proxy through each other's um, destruction of rental vehicles. Which is, so bad. Yeah, which is real dumb, but funny. <laughs> and then they had like a no contact stipulation, right? Where if they laid a hand on each other, then the match. Oh, was yeah. off. They did yeah. one, of, which is never like a good way to build a match. I feel like. But that's funny because I want to say the week, like the go-home week uh, heading into this pay-per-view, Goldberg just spears the ever-loving fuck out of Sid um, on like a Nitro or Thunder, right? And you could tell that was just Russo and Ferrara coming in going, yeah, we're going to wave off all that other bullshit booking. Obviously, the match is still happening. We got to put some heat behind this thing. Yeah. And they did. Um, And there was another segment where... I think it was like the the contract signing or something where Sid he's like in a suit, um, power bombs Goldberg on that segment yes. and you're just in a suit. You're like, well, it's in a yeah, in a way way oversized suit for this gigantic man. <laughs> um, so that's great. So I was like kind of gearing up to see more of that in this match, and that's not what it gave me. Um, but I, I get why they did what they did. I will say and maintain that I hate and continue to hate the sympathy booking of Sid Vicious here. Like he had been uh, such a bastard and such a villain right. since his return. I understand you want to turn him face, but I, I hated the, the way that they did it in this match. You know, it it's almost like a trying to do a retread of, of Austin and the sharpshooter. Right. And it's, you're, you're not going to, you can't do that with Sid Vicious. I'm I, sorry. Like, I, just... saw the, I, I put, I, I think I combined their two matches in my mind. Cause I thought they had an, I quit match. I think that's their rematch at, um, the next month mayhem or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I think it does end in a submission and it's not very good. <laughs> I can only imagine. Sid Shocker. Was... Shocker. Right. <laughs> Sid doing Fujiwara arm bars and stuff. I literally, I I think that's like what happens. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's Goldberg doing it, but still it's it's not good. But um, yeah, that's where I am on this. So you hate it still, right? Pretty much. Um, 
<laughs> I get it, but it's not like a match I go out of my way to watch. I mean, I mm. hate this entire show, but also find mm. it strangely watchable. Mm. Like, it does have entertainment value. Don't get me wrong. This is not boring by any means. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, the thing that I would give Halloween Havoc from my – now, I didn't watch the whole show tonight, but I that I did skim through a little bit of it. And that's why I, I think I texted you guys earlier and said this is like a fever dream show. It really is. Yeah. Almost yeah. none of it makes sense. Uh especially especially out of context taking this in a fact oh none of it makes yeah. sense i i watched the sting and hogan segment and i'm and having just watched the bash at the beach thing like maybe a month ago from bash at the beach 2000 it's the exact mm. same angle oh it is it absolutely is yeah. and it went nowhere nope. <laughs> and i'm like what are so they, special are they trying to kill whatever city this was in <laughs> vegas yeah well, you can't kill Vegas, I guess. But <laughs> well, um, it sure was a mauling, and you know, I, I guess like when in doubt, just blade, and yeah. because I, Goldberg and, and Sid are about the same level as like what I would consider like intelligence, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Ring savvy? Maybe? Yeah, right, yeah. There you go. Well, now I would remind you that Sid has—he's half the—he may be half the man that Kevin Nash is, but he also has half the brains that he does. Half the brain that you do. I—I I, don't—that I, is just my impression of them, like just in my mind. So in this match, I wasn't really expecting much like psychology or whatever. So to me. If you're bleeding, I'm having fun. So, to me, I like seeing it. Um, working that cut over and over again. Um, it just, you know, it does make him seem a little too vulnerable, though, to Tim's point. And mm. it didn't occur to me when I was watching it, but thinking back on it, yeah, that absolutely um, is what they do. And I, I, I guess I don't feel one way or another about that in particular, but... It definitely happened, but um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. it. It was short, you know, like like you have with the Sid match. So yeah, to the point. Again, they keep it short. Yeah, very smart. I, I mean, look, it's it's worth at least a star, two stars, just for the the um insane the insanity of that that backstage uh, segment mm-hmm. where. Sid gets busted open and they're they're working on the cut and he's just screaming, Let it bleed! Let it bleed. <laughs> Amazing. Which uh, yeah, I'm all for like make him look like a badass, sure, but let's not go full on babyface where Rick Steiner's coming out, oh shucks, dude, you know, maybe hang it up. Like just come on. Also, what, I'll tell you what I was expecting to happen. I was expecting Rick Steiner to try to, after he helped Sid out of the ring, try to go after Goldberg and get speared and jackhammered. So we've sure. still spear and jackhammer, but um, I guess that was to come later in the show. Well, we we still will we we will still get that, but um, it's it's so weird. Yeah. So Goldberg has won the U.S. title here, which is kind of a strange look for uh. A guy who had this massive undefeated streak and became, you know, world heavyweight champion, only to lose it and get screwed. And now it's like, hmm, he's a mid-card title holder. Interesting. But um, that will not be long for this world either. 
Um, so, uh, Greg, does the, uh, the, the Russo experiment, uh, that really turned things around for WCW, right? Yes, uh, as I understand you... it, they were doing record ratings at this time. At this, the uh-huh. old, they, they, they Eight to nine million viewers a week, and uh, it was extremely successful. And then for no reason, WCW removed Vince Russo from power unfairly. Mm-hmm. And Bullshit politics in the back, bro. That's what act- it sounds like to me. Immediately, immediately the ratings were cut into like one sixteenth of that nine million number, and so they, they were just ruined by Russo not being around. But in fact, Russo did get himself removed from power because he did not do what he had promised to do, and uh, uh, also the company was, you know, everything was kind of going off the rails a little bit. So they 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 are pull the plug on Russo, the Russo experiment. And uh, and then they bring in some sort of booking committee, which is always a great idea. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they have a new variation. Hey, in case of emergency, break NWO glass. So they <laughs> read NWO, uh, but this time it's the NWO silver and black, which was led by. Help me if I get this wrong. Bret Hart was the leader. Jeff I guess. Garrett, yeah. Jeff Jarrett was the second in command. I guess. Uh, Paul and Nash, Scott Steiner, maybe? Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, the Harris twins, for some reason. Yeah, the Harris right. brothers. Yeah. Ron and Don. The Nazi brothers. And, uh, <laughs> and so they're around, they're, they're run, and boy, Tim, they come in and they recreate the momentum of 1996, and they run roughshod over WCW. They do. For yeah. about two weeks. And in the course uh-huh. of two weeks, Bret Hart, who had suffered a concussion at Starcade against Goldberg, uh, as as we come to find out, uh, it would later got stop- a fucking hole kicked in his head, knocked into the front <laughs> fucking row by that big dumb gorilla, Big Goldberg. <laughs> Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg kicked, kicked me my head. fucking head off. And and so the, the 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 one thing that we always could say for all the criticism you can have of WCW, they had a crack medical staff, right? So like the fucking crack like, in my skull from that big dumb gorilla, Big Goldberg. Bill Goldberg, you. That so the the doctors continue to allow allow Bret Hart to wrestle with a concussion. <laughs> without a brain, without a head. I mean, for, yeah. he, they were He's actually like if you've seen Futurama, his head was actually in yes. A, his yes. head was in a jar for about yes. three. After this. a heart jar, <laughs> and uh, 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 so so after a few Bret weeks Hart, of my uh, my head entering rooms before I the rest of my body did, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> they book him in a hardcore match with Terry Funk, where he gets beat in the head with a chair multiple times. So eventually, uh, Bret Hart's brain is turned to mush, and he can no longer wrestle, so he's gone. I think he had a uh, match with Benoit time. at some point in there, who is notably um. A light worker as well. So. Yeah. So it's uh, around the same time, Jeff Jarrett suffers some sort of an injury or some sort of calamity. Concussion. I think he got his head kicked <laughs> off too. Yeah. He gets a concussion, so he's out. No, uh, he, yeah, yeah, he does have a concussion. I don't remember how it happened, but he does. Scott, Scott Hall, I think, had another. You know, he, Scott Hall was having his own issues at the time. He's out. So the NWO pretty much is is killed out of the gates. Uh, this new version of it. Is this when uh, Scott Steiner got suspended for calling Ric Flair yeah. an old bastard? Because right. he was Steiner does yeah. a promo about Ric Flair and his crooked yellow teeth, and uh, he right. <laughs> he gets suspended, and uh, so he got suspended, so he's out. Yeah, so so this angle did not go over well, which brings us 
to, to, to February of 99. And at this point, I have no idea who was booking WCW. Maybe Kevin Sullivan again. It was some combination of Kevin Sullivan and friends, I think. And, and so we've got the, uh, the world heavyweight championship is around the waist of Sid. Okay. Can I, can I kind of walk you through the, um, yes, please. The WCW world heavyweight championship, uh, Hot potato reigns of um, the year 2000. Because I feel like you queued me up pretty pretty well here, Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into the year, uh, Bret Hart is your champion, right? A- as you mentioned, although he is he is concussed, has at the CTE, hands of Bill Goldberg, at the hands of that fucking 800 pound idiot Bill Goldberg. <laughs> uh, so even though he is without a brain and without a head, he does have the WCW championship, at least for a little bit, at least for a little bit. He does end up vacating that title when he realizes, uh, I don't think I can wrestle anymore. So we've gone from uh, Bret Hart to vacant to now we're going to declare a new champion at sold out, which is russo's last show or the show where he was given his um his pink slip i guess and that main event is going to be uh sid vicious versus chris benoit to declare the new champion benoit wins but um guess what um benoit's none too pleased he's going to walk out on the company the next night which is going to result in yep the title being declared vacant yet again. Um, so what we're going to do is, uh, is have Sid Vicious um, qualify to challenge for the right to, uh, to win the champion again, the championship again on Nitro. But first he has to go through the Nazi twins, I mean, the Harris twins, uh, in a handicap match, uh, he defeats them and then, uh, battles Kevin Nash in that main event actually wins it and wins the title. This is on January 24th for those keeping score at home on nitro. Now, although Sid won the belt, um, Kevin Nash in his capacity as commissioner, don't ask me how he became commissioner, but at some point he did. Kevin Nash strips Sid Vicious of the title two days later on that week's Thunder. And the reason he did so is because Sid, in his qualifying match, he penned the wrong, the illegal Nazi brother. Um, so that meant he never should have, he never should have faced Nash in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, therefore, are sure that the Russo title is again. This time? <laughs> Russo is no longer booking at this time. This is, yeah. this is the booking committee or whatever. Um, so this is the third time in less than 30 days that the uh, championship has been held up now. Um, but don't worry, Nash is going to award himself the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> this is all in that same Thunder, by the way. So, um, In true Dusty so, fashion. Yeah, so Sid is now going to challenge Nash and the correct Nazi brother, if there is such <laughs> a thing as a correct Nazi brother, in a uh, triple threat steel cage match. And that Thunder main event, wow, that's a big main event for Thunder. This is all going down on January 26th. Sid wins yet again. 
So now he is the legitimate WCW world title holder. We have, if, if you're keeping up, keeping score, seven title changes one month into the year with um, good old abeyance being the most decorated title holder now in the year 2000. One of the great legends of our business. Abeyance, yeah. Oh, um, throughout all of this, and this is setting us up for the match that I picked, which is the main event of Super Brawl 2000, which comes to you from the Cow Palace. It's on February 20th, 2000, San Francisco. It's really telling to me how little faith, like this clown car creative team that's that's running WCW uh, had in Jeff Jarrett for him not to have ended up with the title even once throughout all of that. Bull- he, he'll get it later. Don't get me wrong. Right. But throughout all of this bullshit at the beginning of the year, seven title changes, not one of them is Jeff Jarrett in the equation. Right. Well, cause he sucks. You see, <laughs> how dare you? My Fuck strong him. words. Strong words. I said what I said. Those are fighting words if I ever heard them, Jenny. Fuck you, Jeff Jarrett. I think we got a Chris Grizzly run in there. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was thinking that. Todd Grizzly, excuse me. I was watching a wrestling program earlier, and Jeff Jarrett was on there, and he was talking, and, and I was like uh, to somebody at ringside, and I was like, have we ever seen Todd Grizzly and Jeff Jarrett in the same Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well. So, we've got Who this, sucks like. Worse? <laughs> Who sucks worse? Well, I don't know. one's in prison. One, if if they are in fact two different people in theory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One is now in prison. One is in AW, um, which is the same as prison, probably. Oh my goodness! Listen to this. Listen Look. to this. Strong words. I'm a hater. So I don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is such a bizarre little interim period. These like. Really, it's just February and March of 2000, right? Because January is still basically Russo. And then Russo comes back like in April. So you've you've got this like in-between period. And it's really just the story of Sid heroically overcoming all the obstacles thrown at him. He's winning the championship time and again, even, even when it's being stripped by by villainous commissioners like kevin nash <laughs> and he like has a reasonably healthy title reign when all is said and done it's really kind of funny that this is this is the story coming out of early 2000s wcw and it's all about sid vicious mm-hmm. so um we get the super brawl super brawl 2000 you guys and greg you said what you said about halloween havoc um 1999, uh, Super Brawl 2000 might be the worst WCW pay per view. <laughs> um, they kept finding new ways to, to bottom themselves. With all due respect to Matt Souza, our dear friend, uh, who, <laughs> hate, who hates this show, who hates the show and wants to watch it on <laughs> every every possible opportunity. <laughs> it's it's such a try hard show to me. That, that's that's what stands out to me about Super Bowl 2000. It, it's using so many smoke and mirrors to distract you from 
all of the major L's that this promotion had racked up just in terms of the hits they had taken from a star power standpoint and an enthusiasm standpoint as well. We talked about Bret Hart being on the shelf. He's about to declare retirement, in fact. Goldberg, now, Greg, you said, in case of emergency, break glass, employ NWO. Well, Goldberg perhaps took that a bit literally, breaking the glass in the limo that the NWO is escaping in. He shoot punches through multiple windows in that limousine. Shreds his arm, shreds his arm completely. He's now injured and is going to be away for a few months. Kevin Nash, I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not wrestling. He's an on-screen authority figure. He's that commissioner. Um, Sting is on a little bit of a sabbatical here. Uh, DDP, I think, is doing reshoots for uh, the great film of our lives, Ready to Rumble. <laughs> we mentioned Scott Steiner suspended for uh, calling out Ric Flair. Uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, Chris Benoit walked out after the last show and took all the company's most reliable upper mid-card talent with him. <laughs> Scott Hall's days are really numbered, but hey, at least he's in this match. So not to worry, you guys. We've still got Hulk Hogan. We've still got Ric Flair. We've got Terry Funk. We've got uh, the total package. So that is just plenty of talent to build a, an 11 match card around for this this Super Brawl 2000 show. It's gimmicks galore. You got hardcore matches. You got Sicilian stretcher matches. You you've got matches for ownership of the letter T. Um, <laughs> you've what? got the Kiss Demon, the Kiss Demon, right? Who was contractually obligated to to a main event match at some point in his WCW run. So he's booked in a special main event match in the middle of the show uh, against the wall. So that's pretty special. Oh, and who's Big Al? Uh, don't, don't worry about that. Uh, what's a leather jacket on a pole match? It's just, it's, it's one of the many great ways that this show is, is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And Hey, look over there. It's James Brown. Not announced, but making a big appearance here. The actual James Brown. Holy shit. So, like I said, total tryhard. WCW at its nadir, I guess you could say, if you want to be artsy-fartsy about it. Um, But that brings us to this main event, and it's a barn burner because we've got uh, Michael Buffer handling introductions with <laughs> a little less than 10 minutes of runtime left in this, uh, this pay-per-view. So mm-hmm. I guess we're going to race through this. Um, and Mark Madden, for God's sake is on commentary and I, yeah, fuck oh, for God's sake. You know. I don't know where anybody else on this pot panel other than Jenny apparently stands on this. But boy, <laughs> oh boy, does Mark Madden not age well to me. I he sucks. And his He's damn bad. Boy. He's real bad. I was yeah. like, who does this motherfucker think he is? Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not here for it. He's got a terrible voice for announcing. His, yes. his, his lines are not funny. He, no. He, he's stepping on the toes of the other announcers. It's Just awful. At all. The internet loved like him they, at the time. Yeah. I remember. I feel like oh, they yeah. try to put him in his place sometimes during the broadcast, but. 
He still sucks. I tell you, as somebody that was a 16-year-old on the internet at the time, I probably liked him too, just because I thought anybody that made insider references was really, really funny. And so of course, they had to be. Does that a lot on commentary, but like, then you find out later on, you watch the show, and you're like, God, that wasn't funny at all. He's really yeah. not good at this, is he? No, I miss Bobby big time on this show. Oh yeah, Bobby's. Yeah, well that was the thing too. People were really down on Bobby, so I was like, oh, get some fresh blood in there. Yeah, give it to Madden. So that's, in hindsight, one of the, the worst takes, about the late period WCW. So and and he's doing the kind of heel announcer gimmick, but he's trying to be cool at the same time, and it it just it doesn't gel. And so what we've got are basically the remnants of NWO black and silver mm-hmm. challenging Sid Vicious again, our our fighting face champion of the first quarter of 2000 at least. Um, so. Uh, that means, uh, aren't these guys supposed to be stable mates, right? Uh, Jarrett and Hall. No, apparently that busted up when uh, Hall went into business for himself, challenged Sid for the title, and Jarrett took exception. And then the Harris brothers back to Jarrett. So Hall is a lone wolf here, effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. Nash has been taken out. He was attacked with a guitar by Jeff Jarrett. So. He's not even here in his capacity as commissioner. So, but you know what? Who is the acting commissioner for the night? Um, Jeff Jarrett. I guess that's his reward for, for abusing the uh, the regular commissioner. So it's just all over the place. A real mess here. Yeah, it is. Um, Buffer does his intros for Hall and Jarrett, and the bell actually rings <laughs> um, before. Sid has even been introduced and makes his entrance. So these two are going at it, um, you know, just laying into each other. Because, I mean, they've got it. They don't have much time left. We've got to race through this mm-hmm. thing now. So they're laying into each other with punches. Uh, Hall gets that fallaway slam on Jarrett very early into the match. Uh, Sid finally makes his way to the ring, cleans house on both competitors, and now we're already... <laughs> regrouping here like a minute or two into the match the harris is now get involved because they're at ringside they bring sid down crotch him on the ring post and jarrett stomps away on sid to keep him out of the equation hall then whips jarrett into the ropes but jarrett counters with a as i wrote down in my notes winging neck breaker <laughs> uh great great move there a uh, quick exchange of sleepers but they really can't get any mileage out of that because we don't have time to do rest holds or set up any long submission spots in this match um between Jarrett and Paul here so uh that leads to oh boy Jarrett wiping out referee number one we've got to do some more math you guys so I I I realized I was asking a lot of you with all those title changes early at the start of the year so we've also got to keep track of uh, referees going down in this match. And no, this I, is I, really, about this first. Uh, I believe the first referee was Nick Patrick. Yes. Nope. It was Billy Silverman. He Sorry. was the second. Oh, the second. Yep. I was going to say yep. Nick Patrick. I thought the mustache would break his fall. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> he sure ain't I love you for that. Because, yeah. He's going to come in later. Billy Silverman gets it on a clothesline. Um, so Jarrett, with no referee there, mule kicks 
uh, Scott Hall. Sid is now reasserting himself into the match, gets a double lariat, and then double choke slams, which looks kind of cool. That's when Nick Patrick now slides in to uh, officiate very briefly in this match, gets a two count on Jarrett after the choke slam, but Sid, to his credit, then smartly goes for the pin on Hall, but he also kicks out. Uh, Jarrett then wipes out Sid with the championship belt, so we get a shoving exchange now between Jarrett and Nick Patrick. Uh, so here's where Nick Patrick is going to eat shit. Takes the stroke. Um, and uh, Badly. Very badly. Yeah, it's it's an awkward move anyway. And if, yeah, if it's, it's a uh, non-wrestler on the receiving end, it's it's probably not going to. And again, it killed my suspension of disbelief because of the mustache aspect. Yes. The mustache. He should have just bounced right back up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, sadly, that does not happen. Now, the uh, the Nazi twins on the outside, they hold up a chair. I guess they're going to, like, the idea is, is Jared is going to whip Sid into that, but Sid reverses, so Jared eats the chair. Now we've got referee number three entering the match. That is Charles Robert Robinson. Um, absurdly close two count on uh scott hall by jeff jarrett mm-hmm. um love that that kick out so jarrett now <laughs> just decides i guess on a whim to hit charles robinson with the stroke <laughs> so didn't even they didn't even like set it up or anything just out of nowhere he's like ah fuck this guy um uh, mickey J is now already in the ring uh so he's referee number four um Jarrett takes him out immediately like he doesn't even get to do anything he, he's just like all of a sudden in the ring you don't even register that he's there before Jarrett takes him out so all of this is by design because referee keep up guys number five mm-hmm. is slick johnson now slick johnson is in the bag for the nwo black <laughs> and silver specifically Jarrett. so he's out there now but just in time for Jeff Jarrett to take the outsider's edge from Scott Hall. So Slick Johnson, he don't want to count that pinfall, right? For for uh, Hall, he, he fakes a shoulder injury. So it's like, oh, God, are we going to get another referee going out here? Sid now makes his way back into the ring. He lays out Hall and Jarrett with punches, lariats, big boot running through kind of all of his standard offense. Uh, Jarrett, though, smashes the guitar over Scott Hall's head, and we get a um, pretty haggard-looking Roddy Piper at this point sauntering out to the ring. Uh, he, he makes it somehow in time to stop Slick Johnson from making the three count for Jeff Jarrett. And he has a Roddy robot. Piper. Uh-huh. He has a robot arm for some reason. He too. does have a robot arm, yes. He has a bionic arm. Uh, surgically um, removed and replaced with cybernetics um, because this is 2000 Roddy Piper. Piper, though, takes out Slick Johnson, slugs him, and uh, Jared now is getting in Piper's face, but that distraction is enough for Sid to take Jared for the ride on a big choke slam, follows that up with a powerbomb on Scott Hall, so both these guys are laid out it is now academic for Sid. He gets the win, retains 
again, in heroic fashion, his WCW championship. Now, you would think all of that that I ran through, this would be like a 25-minute match, right? <laughs> all these spots. No, it's about mm, just under eight minutes. Yep. Yeah, and this is your main event for Super Brawl. That's mm. a lot of uh, that's a lot of shit in a small bag. Sure is. It's, it's the maybe the most shit in the smallest bag uh, <laughs> I've ever. It honestly, it reminds me of like a a 2002 TNA main event. I can see that. I things, just on one of, of those things, like weekly pay per views. Yeah, it, it's got Hall and Jeff Jarrett, so it would fit in right very well with an early. Early 2002 TNA pay-per-view main event. Yeah, exactly. So it's funny, you know, Sid is going to go on to successfully defend that that title again against Jeff Jarrett in a singles match at next month's show, Uncensored. So I got to tell you, I'll hand it to Sid for his his part. He does bring some stability to that. WCW world title scene, you know, holding down the fort, holding on to the belt, at least until that Russo Bischoff reboot in April. And that's when they vacate all the championships. And that, and that, and, correct, uh, that was oof. pretty end of Sid, right? It, well, no. Yes. Later Sid in the- went away until, uh, yeah, he comes back at the end of the year to um, break his leg. Yeah. To challenge Scott Steiner, which made a lot of sense since he, you know, never legitimately lost the belt. But, um, yeah, that does not last long because he has that hideous, hideous injury. And WCW closes shortly thereafter. I remember so. they do the promo when uh, Bischoff and Russo take over Nitro. And, you know, Bischoff does the, oh, you forgot your scissors, Sid? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Forget your scissors? Yeah, and, and he had to say it twice because he didn't think he got, like, people didn't get it. Yeah. Like, oh, well, he must not. They did. I guess they just didn't hear me or didn't register. So he says it again, and it's <laughs> so, pretty embarrassing. So, then, so I can't remember. Did Sid just vanish after that? He did just vanish after that. Yeah. He. Um. I mean, he did hand over the title, and you know, like like you said, Bischoff got in his face, and he just disappeared. So. Wow. I don't know. They always say he's playing softball when he's not wrestling. So there you go. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I always heard about him. I thought this I thought this triple threat match like I thought when Jarrett and and Hall were wrestling, it was decent. And when Sid was in, it was a little clunky. Uh-huh. Um, uh and obviously they were going through what was supposed to be a, I'm assuming supposed to be about a 15 minute match and squeezing it into 8 minutes. And um, it, it uh, very strange. I also thought they made a mistake. It was a cool finish. I will say that. I like the idea of the finish. I think they should have swapped the two com- mm. uh, people at the yeah. end only because I don't think that that crowd wanted Scott Hall to lose. Right. I, that I would crowd agree. seemed to be into Scott Hall. And I think that they were into Sid choke slamming Jarrett, but they did not like Sid powerbombing Scott Hall and pinning him. And I think that finish would have gone over and sounded a lot better. And I don't know why they didn't, because they wanted to protect Jarrett. But it would have sounded better if they swapped the two, had Scott Hall take the choke slam, and then let Sid hit Jarrett with the big power bomb and get that that. And then Jarrett can get his heat back the next night or whatever. But like, I, I just think sure. that would have been a better way to finish the match. Um, 
Obviously, I thought the same thing. Yeah, not much to write home about, but I thought, I thought the biggest surprise to me was Scott Hall looked pretty decent in this match. I thought, mm-hmm, sure did. looked like himself. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and I think partly the familiarity with him and Jarrett from their time before wrestling each other helped. And then, um, you know, obviously way too convoluted finish. I'm pretty sure that this was, this match was probably laid out strongly by Jarrett, uh, based on, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, just, it's a very like, yeah, Memphis-y with all the shenanigans, right? Right. And, and I, I, you know, not my, not my cuppa really, but, um, I don't mind ref bumps, but I think you can get to a certain point where it's, it's just too much and it distracts, but honestly, suggesting that five in a seven minute match is too many. That might be a bit much. That might be a bit much. I mean, you could argue three would have been pushing it, but, uh, but no, you know, there's some good bumps here and stuff. I just didn't, you know, it didn't really come together per se in a in a coherent match. But again, clever finish. I just wish they would have swapped the the two things there. But uh, otherwise, seeing robot arm Roddy Piper was a nice surprise. <laughs> I did not know that was coming. I didn't um, either. So um, that was pretty that was pretty neat. And uh, I wish that they had done a spinoff, honestly, focusing on Roddy Piper living on <laughs> robot arm. Oh yeah, <laughs> Robbie Parker. God, that was dumb. Anyway, uh, I was drowning in my hatred for this match while you were talking about it. So. Amazing. Just I can't. So Hold you're on. a real fan, huh? No, I'm going to go ahead and not like this one. Um, oh. I don't know. You're the sure ref bumps were annoying to me. Um, I like. What what about the charisma? Sid was nothing in it, you know. I'm like, ah. oh. Did you I feel did. like? Did you feel like Jeff Jarrett was a charisma man? Oh God, I just hate him so much. Um, yeah, I just I just would rather see Scott Hall, I guess, and and Sid. This was the last time you would see Scott Hall in WCW. Yeah, so like, I do think they 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 uh deliberately left Sid out of most of the match because i feel like most of it was jarrett and hall wrestling and and kind of wrestling around sid a little bit um yeah but uh but again it's so short that you know it's yeah it's very sloppy like nobody had enough time to like do anything kind of real you know or just like kind of felt half-assed the Nazi um, twins just don't add anything to the match either. well you know I, I feel how i feel about the harris brothers but um, yeah, not not their best performance either. What did they really and, do? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just I, I could not get into it. And then Piper showing up. What the hell? Um, I, like what? What are we doing? Like what? Does anything become of that? Does Piper do anything? Does he have anything to do with Sid yeah. going forward? He actually begins uh, driving around in a police car, solving crimes with his robot. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then important to note that they took the robot arm away, and then he completely lost all of his relevance at that point. Right. Right. Tim, well, what they I- kept the arm, and they fired him. The, the arm continued to appear, but but he did not. Yeah. <laughs> so what really happened, Tim? I don't remember. Friday Friday. That's an impossible question to answer, Greg Phillips and Jennifer Smith. Uh, mm. Who who knows that just 
Who can say? Talk about try hard. That that match was try not hard enough. <laughs> you see, so, it's it's the yeah. It, it was the try not hard good show of two thousand. I don't know. Most now, what, man what, what I want to know, Tim, because you 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 know this, you clearly know this show a lot better than I do, because I don't remember anything about it except the letter T match, which I do remember. Uh, but yeah. what, what the fuck is that? What, we'll tell you in just a well, moment. Booker T, okay. you know, lost the okay, right. Okay, tell to... me, tell me before Greg loses his train of thought. Let uh. What was the um? What went long in the undercard uh, that led to this main event being so short? To be honest, I think it was just the fact that it was an eleven match show when it had no reason to be. Like, why are there so many matches on this when you, especially when you've got such a depleted roster? That, that's what I mean by try hard. It's like they're doing everything to distract you from the fact that. This is a promotion that is worn down to the bone, right? They, they've got nothing. And it's like, yeah, no, we, we still got plenty of talent. Uh, 11 matches, why not? And nothing here, I mean, nothing here goes longer than 10 minutes except for fucking David Flair and Crowbar versus the Mamas in a stretcher match. Yeah, that's 11 minutes. And then doing? honestly, the. The best match on the show, uh, Flair and Funk. <laughs> Go figure. Imagine, yeah. And a Texas death match is a little bit under 16 minutes. Now, <clears throat> the, the the letter T match, Jenny, is, uh, and Tim can fill in the finer details perhaps if I get them wrong, but as I recall from my 16-year-old brain, uh, Booker T's brother Stevie Ray had turned on him, and they were, uh, they were no longer uh, uh, aligned, and so... Booker T uh, was feuding with the new Harlem Heat, which was Stevie Ray and right. Big T, who was the former Ahmed Johnson. As I, and I, as I recall, Big T and Booker T were wrestling for the right to control the letter T. Oh, I yeah. see. Uh, of course. You can't have two well, T's, obviously. Because uh, Jay Biggs, the the attorney, in fact, for uh, Stevie Ray and, and Big T, the new Harlem Heat, uh, you see, the, the Harlem Heat franchise, the Harlem Heat Inc., if you will, uh, mm. said that the T and Booker T, that Booker T essentially was, was the property of Oh, uh, I see. It belonged to them. The intellectual property, if you will. So right. Booker is fine because Booker, hey, Booker, uh, that is his given name, of course. Mm-hmm. But mm. Booker T... Is is the wrestling character that is associated with legally associated with the Harlem Heat uh, Corporation? And as you know, wrestling fans cared a great deal about this. Of course, I mean, obviously, you have to you have to really so. lose sleep over it. I feel like yes. Th- this is what was killing me in two thousand when I was I was again I was sixteen at the time, and you know I, I'm I watch every wrestling show that I can get my eyes on. And on the other channel, you're having arguably the best run of television that the WWF ever did over the course of a span of a year. You're getting The Rock and Cactus Jack and Triple H and and Undertaker. Well, Undertaker wasn't there, but all these great characters up and down the card. They're having these really interesting blood feuds and Vince is cutting promos about life not being fair and whatnot. And then you turn on the Nitro, you've got Booker T and... Stevie Ray feuding over a damn letter. Yeah, yeah. man. Are you Lame. suggesting that uh, 
No Way Out 2000 was perhaps a, a better show than Super Brawl 2000. A little bit, a little bit, yeah, a little Somewhat. bit. For, just for memory, you're you're, you're going off here. Just I mean, on memory. Now, I would be interested to... in visiting Uncensored 2000 to compare it to disappointing oh. Oh. WrestleMania 2000. Uh, but perhaps by comparison, WrestleMania 2000 would look much better. <laughs> well, it's it's another it's the other big try hard show of the year. So uh, <laughs> here we are, and I think we tried very hard to get the uh, yeah. Late era WCW Sid Vicious over here on this podcast. I think we did a fine job of that. Isn't it interesting that we all three selected late era Sid matches? None of us picked it as 93 or 89, 90 runs. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it, but. Yeah, I did too. He didn't really. I didn't want to have like these huge gaps, right? I didn't want to pick something from 89 and then fast forward all the way to 99 to talk about. Yeah. You know, y'all's matches. Yeah, and, and then also, I, I he didn't really have a lot of competitive matches in those days. Like, which I don't, True. I'm not opposed to, I love squash matches. I think Sid's squash matches are one of the great joys in wrestling. But, uh, I don't know, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to revisit this Goldberg match. And then also, I thought, in general, us talking about this is kind of, I think everybody that was watching in those days kind of remembers 89, 90 Sid from the Horseman days and all that. Probably mm-hmm. less so 93 run. But like 99 Sid probably doesn't get talked about enough outside of the the Goldberg cube car videos. But <laughs> so so I I, th- I thought it was an interesting time to revisit because my my also I have such a like negative kind of mentality towards 99 WCW because I I I I've always felt that 99 you watched it. Yeah, that I watched, <laughs> and I always felt that like 99 same was mistake like, same mistake I did. I always feel like 99 was really the death knell for WCW. Everything else was just slowly marching towards the end after that. And so, like, mm-hmm. I, I, as a result, I didn't, I, I don't remember a lot of the stuff from that year. And so um, now it's like I can go back and watch Sid and be like, boy, he was sure doing Sid things, wasn't he? And, yeah. You know, again, a lot of this, like we've kind of mentioned, the shows that we watched are kind of like, oh, boy, these shows are not good. But I still think that even in the midst of that, Sid was still Sid, and he didn't waver. He didn't change. He never got a new gimmick. He was just Sid, and I think there's something admirable about that. Yeah, I guess that leaves it open for uh, part two on Sid, uh, if we have another good run or two that we can look at. Definitely, definitely. I think there's a lot lot to revisit there. Um, You know, he's got a tag team. a horse yeah. at a park colonel i'm always down for more colonel robert parker on the show Same. of course so did you guys have some honorable mentions with that in mind um a couple of things that i looked at was slamboree 93 sid versus uh van hammer and beach blast 93 sid invader versus davy boy and sting that's pretty good yeah um saturday night uh, Sting Flair, Davey Boy versus Harlem Heat Sid. So I almost picked that match actually because it mm. sounds so interesting to me on paper. It's crazy, mm. right? Yeah. Yep. I um I almost went with uh, going way back to '89, the skyscrapers days. Uh, Sid and 
Spivey versus the Steiners at that November Clash of the Champions. Oh, Sid man. gets hurt in that match, gets like a punctured rib or something. And yeah, from one of the suplexes, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a real hard hitting match. So he he goes on the shelf uh, for several months after that, and then you know gets reintroduced as one of the Horsemen later in 1990, as you talked about, Greg. Um, I also there's a uh, there's a Sid Flair singles match in '93. It's on a uh, November Saturday night, I believe. So I thought probably can't go wrong there, but the problem is, it's a Sid match that's longer than ten minutes. It's like oh. it's like seventeen <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Did you watch yeah. it? I did, and I mean it's not terrible, but it's it really doesn't need to be seventeen minutes, and <laughs> it's got kind of a dumb finish. So I was like, eh, I'm not gonna go there. Um, and the other one I considered was uh so. The match where Sid won the U.S. title that he lost to Goldberg at Halloween Havoc, that was against uh, Chris Benoit at what would uh, be considered by some uh, the worst WCW pay-per-view of all time, <laughs> Fall Brawl uh, 1999. <laughs> but I guess that was one of the the high points on that uh, very maligned pay-per-view. Um, but I didn't feel like doing a Benoit match, so... There we go. Yeah. Sid, Sid uh, for, as far as Sid match, I, my only honorable mentions were, were kind of, to be honest, were squash matches, like Sid, yeah. Ranger Ross, and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> stuff that I, I like seeing Sid destroy people. Yeah. And, 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 and imagine silly, but I felt like I would have had to come up with like four squash matches to make up one match, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, and then, and then I was, you know, as I was thinking about it, you know, the Sting match at Havoc 90 is historically significant, kind of, because it was it uh, is in the midst of Sting's run. It had a very famous, very famous, weird uh, finish. Um, and then uh, and then 93, I thought about the the Sting and Davey Boy match, uh, uh, Beach Blast, which I remember being a very fun match. But um, otherwise, you know, Sid, Sid's not a match guy. Sid's a nah. aura guy. Sid's a presence guy. Um, Sid is a, Sid is a just Freak show. Absolutely. Sid is a man of great, uh, of hilarious, entertaining promos. Yes. Uh, top facial expressions, magnetic charisma. Cause the thing about Sid was everybody can talk about work rate and talk about technical savvy and talk about, you know, being able to tell stories properly on the microphone, things that Sid was not necessarily the best at, but what Sid was always was over. Every yep. of his career, he was over. There was something about him, some kind of magnetism about him that made fans gravitate to him, which brings me to one last Sid point I wanted to make and see if you guys agree. I have come to the conclusion over my years of Sid fandom, I think Sid was much better as a babyface than as a heel. Oh. Personally. Um, ah. And let me explain why. Uh. I think as a heel, Sid had the problem that people wanted to cheer him because yeah, it, yeah. he had the coolest look. He had the coolest mannerisms. He had, uh, quite honestly, he had he had my favorite power bomb of the guys that did the power bomb as the finish. Anyway, and he wasn't Scott Norton, my God, but 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 he had the coolest finish power bomb between him and Nash. 
he, he had a, the choke slam before most people were doing a choke slam. He was the, for a while, he was the only guy doing the power bomb. He had the cool big boot, the helicopter thingamajiggy would do once in a while. He was, uh, he, and he had that, again, that charisma, the crazy promos and stuff. He just seemed like a cool ass dude. And so I always liked when he was a baby face and he got to play into that and he got to really like play up the fact that he, that he was cool and that people wanted to cheer him naturally. Famously, this is not talking 1996 WWF, but famously he goes into the survivor series and WWF as a heel against Shawn Michaels and gets cheered over the babyface world champion to the point where they, where Shawn is, is, is clearly affected by this reaction by the crowd. And, uh, uh, Sid, Sid was just organically over everywhere he went. And so I, 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 not that I don't think Sid had a place as a heel, his promos, maybe you could say were better as a heel, but like, I just think there's something about him as a baby face that just worked. Keep it short, keep it simple, Goldberg like, and Sid was a was a, was good in that role, in my opinion. He just looks like such a heel. He just comes across, you know, it just seems to be natural to him to be. I just think of it as heelish. a cold thing, like a like a cool heel, if you will. Right. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's one of those risks, I suppose, of when you're always over with the crowd, they yeah. always kind of want to cheer you no matter what you're doing. Uh, even to maybe the detriment of another baby face you might be programmed <laughs> against, but it's not really Sid's fault, is it? So No, no, it's, it's, kind, of, uh, it's kind of the same dilemma whenever they try, you know, in the later years when Flair, Flair always liked working heel and I always thought he was better as a heel. But by the time the mid nineties rolled around, no WCW fans actually wanted to boo Ric Flair. Yeah. So made things kind of awkward when he's trying to be the heel and yet people are wooing and, you know, cheering him and booing his opponent and everything. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's it, 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 appropriately enough. Uh, we were talking about the battle for the letter T because yes. I believe I have the selection for our next, uh, show. All right. And I think it's time to revisit my beloved tag team wrestling. And I want to focus on a team that we have not had a chance to talk about on this show, which is Booker T and Stevie Ray, the Harlem heat. Oh, Whoa. shit! wow. Harlem heat Inc. Huh? Okay. That's right. Oh, and that's what I was going to say. And if you feel the need to include Harlem heat 2000, you can count. <laughs> so be it. And, and Harlem Heat 2000 for this. But yes, Harlem Heat, we have not addressed them. And uh, I think that the most prolific WCW tag team, the, 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 the most tag title reigns in WCW history, uh, that team deserves to be recognized on talking WCW. So that's next up in our queue. I love it. I'm trying. I'm looking at our list right now just to see um, if we've already covered the match that I want to do. <laughs> But I, I think I we think have. I might have an idea what that match is. Yeah, yeah I, I, I but we already we've did it. Yeah, we did it though. I was like, damn it! I think we've already talked about it. And yes, yeah, sadly. Okay, so I'll come up with a, a second favorite, I guess. But yay, that'll be good. I I want to get into that more. Anyway. Yes, they they uh they came along in '93 at the same time Sid came back, and um and were a staple of WCW's tag division pretty much. All the way up through that, <laughs> the 99-2000 era. 
managed by my favorite. Yes. So Mr. I'll Shirt. have fun with that. Very good. That'll be uh, a different, that'll be a change of pace for us or another tag team. So I will look forward to that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys. That was awesome. Like, I think, I don't know. I think that we have all found a new appreciation for Sid. Oh, yes. Yes. Sid is a, Sid is a, Sid is a man that you just, he really has to be experienced to be understood because there are some, like my former, my former, uh, hard traveling fanboy, fanboys, a podcast co-host hates Sid. And mm-hmm. I try, I keep trying, what? I keep trying to get him to understand the appeal of Sid, but I find a hard time explaining it, but it's just, it's yeah. just the there's just something about him. There's a magic about Sid that, mm-hmm. that you can't turn away from. It's like watching a car wreck. It could be, you know, it could be harmless and entertaining, or it could be terrible to watch. But you can't take your freaking eyes off of Sid. He's amazing in his in his way. No greater an authority than Kevin Nash declared once that if uh, if you're a mad scientist in the late 1980s and you went in a lab to create the perfect professional wrestler, just the perfect image of, of what a professional wrestler is, you would come up with Sid Vicious. That's awesome. That's true. Uh, all right. So what do you got for podcast coming up? Yeah. Uh, well, right here on Place Me Nation Wrestling, you and I, Jenny, have another show that is called uh, PTB. NXT that is with Jacob Williams and we're really enjoying what uh mm. what NXT is serving up sure. these 2015 weekly television shows aren't we Jenny we sure are uh, so sure I are Tim. can't wait can't wait to see what awaits us on the uh, next episode of that fine podcast uh mm-hmm. another fine podcast that uh, we do together it's a new podcast and it is Carried by the North-South Connection by way of the Jenny position on Wednesdays. Not every Wednesday, but uh, you can look for Exposition, an X-Men podcast. X-Men yes. and other media, X-Men and pop culture. Focusing right now, currently, we've just started coverage of X-Men, the animated series from the early 1990s. Our first episode was on the pilot Night of the Sentinels Part 1. We're going to be hitting up Night of the Sentinels Part 2. In our next episode. More! A... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a rotating panel of co-hosts uh, for that one. Because a lot of people want to get in on that action. So a lot of fun there on exposition. On North-South Connection. Uh, I also do... In affiliation with the North-South Connection, 9021-NOSO. That is on its own dedicated podcast feed. So just search 9021-NOSO as the name implies. It is a 90210 retrospective that I do with JT Rosero. Going episode by episode through Beverly Hills 90210. We're getting towards the end of the second season now. So things are really heating up. I'm liking like in each and every show that we do more and more with uh, the big, big love triangle of the summer about to drop. Oh boy. 
Oh boy! Now, now, everything. Now was that what this was? This was uh, Brenda, Dylan, and mm. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. Mm. Yep. We're gonna have the, some, the Holy uh, Trinity, some might say. Yeah. We're gonna have some beach club action once again. We're gonna have some uh, some Dean Kane in Paris, France. Oh my We're God, have... Dean Kane. <laughs> We're gonna have. We're gonna have uh, some tension, perhaps, for 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 uh, David and Donna with with the mm. introduction of Nikki, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I that can't slut. wait. Can't wait. And Big Jim, of course, is gonna have oh, gonna have some strong feelings about uh, Brenda and Dylan's relationship and where things he does not like end up Dylan. With him. Dylan is too much of a rogue, in his opinion. Too too much of a too much of a maverick, perhaps. Isn't he though? He's way too cool for a all of these scoundrel. people. He's too too cool for all of us. Honestly. Especially for especially for fucking Daddy Walsh. He is the squarest motherfucker. Like yeah. Well, what he needed was a distraction. Look, you get Daddy Walsh in front of that Casio and mm-hmm. just yeah. give him a hobby, and his kids don't exist. Karaoke. Oh my God! Between the karaoke and and the you know, uh, the, the keyboard, like he, he, he just needs a hobby and he don't care what his kids are doing as long as he's having fun. So that, that was, yeah, a, well, that was I, problem, I, I enjoy think. that spirit, but I don't know. What's Nat, what's yeah. Nat up to? Uh, Nat's just holding it down. He, um, you know, tried I mean, mentioned karaoke. He, he, uh, tried a, a karaoke experiment to, uh, you know, um, liven things up at the peach pit. Receipts weren't, weren't, necessarily to his liking um you know as, as we get into the summer months you have to understand that uh he, people aren't aren't eating in town you know at right. the beach, right? they're they're at the beach club you know he's losing business mm-hmm. so he's he's got to trot out all these little gimmicks every now and then but uh karaoke kind of let's just say it um it wore out its welcome very fast it attracts and, a certain crowd yeah it, it attracts a certain crowd, and, and Nat had to declare that at the end of the day, the Peach Pit is a juke joint. <laughs> he can't lose. Look, he can't use. He can't it's lose that, that youth. Oh. That youth uh, patronage, and the oh, youth the, were threatening the to revolt. The youths love the jukes. <laughs> the youths, the youths were threatening to revolt because of the karaoke. Yeah. They, they were not having it. This so. is a sign of aging, I think. I yeah. would 100% be down for a spinoff about Nat trying to get his finances right running the Peach Pit. Oh, sure. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, it does propel many subplots of the show. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. he uh, he goes down with a heart attack at one point, so Dylan like becomes his financier. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, you get into the, uh, the Peach Pit after dark, which... Oh, yeah. He didn't really run the club side of it, but he was a co-owner, as I understand, right? Right. So he's he's getting receipts off of that. Um, that was a wild success at first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Carries the the later seasons of the show. He yeah. gets married to some some old broad who they have a kid oh, somehow. Yeah. Wait, yeah. What? She was in like her seventies. Yeah. Um, 
the world's longest God. promo for a podcast, but Anyway. Sure is. Anyway, yes. Oh, sorry. Check out check out <laughs> 902 and Noso, where we're in season two of this ten season, thirty two episodes a season, uh, primetime team drama. Uh, you can find me on X, Twitter, whatever. Psych six eight C Y K E six eight. Am I done, Jenny? I think so. <laughs> we're we're toast, baby. Um, yeah. Greg, do you have any podcasts? I don't. Podcast I'm actually, funnily enough, I am doing a podcast, but it's not anything I'm ever going to advertise. It's something I'm doing for my old shoot job that I, I'm doing as a favor because I'm an idiot. And oh, okay. uh, I have to do that this Friday. But uh, but but that's not of any note to anybody else that no okay. listen to this in a million years. So uh, other than that, no, people can find me on the, uh, the Twitter mission. Well, I don't know what it's called now. The Twitter thing. Right. No one does. G Phillips 8652. Um, or you could, uh, well, that's about it. Yeah, that's about all I have. So. All right. Uh, quickly for me, uh, October is the start of Freak Out Drive In Month. So every Wednesday in October, you can hear an episode of Freak Out Drive In, which is a live watch horror movie. Li- horror movie live watch. There you go. Um, there it's we are. And. Yep. Uh, those are very good, so listen to those uh, in the month of October. I'm on Twitter X, whatever, at Jenny Position. And um, thank you guys, and thank y'all for listening, and we'll see you next time.